0: Hey everybody, welcome back, or for the first time, to these present days. Let's open in prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you for we that are alive and remain until the coming of the Son of God in the sky, which I believe this is it, this is the generation. We were born for such a time as this, I thank you for, for filling in the blanks and filling in the gaps that we have lack of preparation, lack of understanding, lack of equipping. I thank you, Heavenly Father, for designing these podcasts for just exactly that purpose. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen. Okay. I titled this week, and I'm going to do a two-parter, and it's hard to break it in half, and but I'm going to You know, try to find a way to make it both work, but I have so much content, and uh, I titled this "Crisis Control." Crisis control. You see, our country is going through a major supernatural crisis right now. Now you're not going to see that in the news. They're not going to say anything about supernatural this, supernatural that. But we know from the Bible, and we know from the way that people are behaving, that it is above and beyond and outside the parameter of the natural. You see, we've been invaded by evil forces that are seizing control of susceptible, ignorant people in positions of influence. I can't put it any simpler. I mean, that's just the way it is. Um, Anything that doesn't make natural sense or natural logic and reasonable understanding um, is supernatural. And so there's a lot of things that you can see. For instance, say you're watching TV and your favorite newscaster, on whichever favorite channel you like all of a sudden you're looking at him and all of a sudden his human face turns to the right or left to talk to his co-host and you see some evil hideous looking thing looking at you still while this person's head turned you can't find any logical re- maybe he say was a a glitch in the electronics you know maybe somebody's messing with the CGI on the other end all kinds of different things like this and If there was nobody tampering and messing with it, how do you explain it? Or how do you explain how popular ghost hunting is? And going into haunted houses and getting instruments that measure some kind of an entity there. Because we're not alone, people. We're surrounded by so great a cloud of witnesses, the Bible says. Angels and demons are inhabiting the atmosphere. Paul the Apostle was caught up to the third heaven, according to the Bible. Now, some of you out there might not be really well-versed in the Bible, so I'm going to make this as simple and as clear as I possibly can. We're living in the midst of a supernatural crisis, supernatural crisis. This isn't about political parties because of the administration we have right now that, that's running the whole government and the whole system and the whole economy and the whole country into a ditch. No. I mean, we've had worse and we've had better, you know, we've had everything in between. And it's not about that, it's about the timetable that is matching up with what Jesus says, as it was in the days of Noah, so shall it be when the Son of Man returns. Well, how bad did it get in Noah's day? Um, bad enough for God, who is a loving Father, to destroy every man, woman, and child that wasn't on that boat. Called the Ark. Yeah. And the animals and plant life. He buried them all. The fountains of the deep gushed water up into the up into the lower atmosphere, it says. And the rains poured constantly for days and days and days, never stopping, until the earth was flooded. And that explains some things. You know, geographically, with discoveries have been made. I mean, even the ark has been found on Mount Ariat by um, satellite imaging and uh, we know that the Bible can be validated and verified many different ways but we who are believers we we trust you know but you know it doesn't hurt to have research and validation of things what kind of research and validation of things do you need to understand some kid that's 18 years of age walked into an elementary school he's 18. He's out of high school. Why not go to the high school where you might have gotten bullied? That makes more sense. You see, when we have sense and nonsense and buffoonery and people doing stupid things, we can explain that. But this is supernatural. And he kills 19 children of the age group of 9 and 10-year-olds. And a couple of, adult, of adults got in the way. What demonic, satanic, evil junk got into this guy? And of course, he's not around anymore to tell us where this came from or what his nights must have been like leading up to this time. And so, once again, we've been invaded by evil forces. And it's not just because of this recent shooting. It's because of how... The things that are talked about in the Bible that there's going to be earthquakes, we've had earthquakes. Before He comes back, before the Lord returns, there's going to be earthquakes in various places. Well, we've had that. And there's going to be wars and rumors of wars. We have that, and we are still having that. And there's going to be pestilence and famines and droughts and all the way weather changes and stuff. We've had that. Ah, but here's the kicker. It's implying in the language, in the language that is used in Matthew 24, of the intensity and the frequency of these occurrences. You see, when the earth is rocking almost off its axis, and the weather patterns are changing up, and there's a lot of people that are tampering with this, a lot of experimentation, a lot of, you know, things that they don't tell us that our government's been up to, and other people's governments have been up to, and and you don't want to get hung up on policies and political parties, and don't become a, you know, a progressive or a conservative right now. Don't become a Democrat or Republican right now. Just listen up, as human beings, we're all subjugated to this. We're all subjugated to this. Even the people that in their ignorance or willfully setting themselves to try to conjure up some evil things that would do damage Killing, stealing, and destroying in our human community. And so we all right now are living in a time of chaos. We minimize it, we distract ourselves from it. We go to the movies, go to the beach, you know, we go to the ball game, you know, things get almost back to normal. You know, we just keep postponing the inevitable. You know, it's still coming anyway. We're not really postponing it in a literal sense. We're postponing our mind from trying to process it. But we got to get on top of it now, people. So we've been invaded, already done. It's not going to come by evil forces that are seizing control of susceptible or malignant evil people that can also include ignorant Christians, and non-Christians alike, in positions of influence. They've been taken over. So, how do I explain this crazy statement? One time, Jesus was telling his disciples in Matthew 16, I'm going to be offered up as a sacrifice, I'm going to go into Jerusalem, I'm going to be um, treated badly by evil men, and they're going to crucify me, And on the third day, I'm going to raise again from the dead." And Peter was going to comment, because Peter was the original put your foot in your mouth kind of a guy. He would speak before thinking it all the way through. And so Peter says, Nope, not going to happen, Jesus, because he loved Jesus. And they were committed to following Jesus, but they didn't want to follow him into some kind of a death trap. And so Peter rebuked him in in a sense, and he said no. And then Jesus turned around and said to Peter, Thank you, Peter, for loving me. so—no, he didn't say that. He said, get thee behind me, Satan, because you don't savor the things of God, but you savor the things of man, or you don't speak of the things of God because the will of God had to be done. Jesus had to go to the cross to save the human race. And Peter was trying to talk him out of it because of his feelings and his emotions. But the influence and in the spiritual, side, spiritual world that Jesus picked up on was the devil was behind that. Because anybody that would suggest you break the perfect will of God that would save mankind and you break that and just live it up, Jesus, you get married and have some kids and live a long life. Don't go to the cross for nobody. That's the devil. And Jesus sniffed it out and he cursed it and said, get there behind me, Satan. You don't savor. You don't favor. You're not influenced by the things of God, but the things of man. And so he called him Satan because Peter was speaking from a human, caring, reasonable, logical position. And so that quick, that quick he dealt with it. Now, Jesus didn't lay hands on Peter and say, I cast you out of my friend Pe-. No, he just rebuked because that came in as a seed and it landed in the soil of Peter's soul and Peter spoke it out of his mouth without thinking about it because uh, Jesus ain't going to buy that. You're trying to sell it, but he ain't buying because he's got a job to do. He came for a reason. And so most people don't know what to think about that or how to handle it. We kind of go into la-la-la-la-la-la-la-la-land if we really don't know how to handle something or what to think about it or what to do about it because it goes past our pay grade. It goes past our experiential level. Mm. You see, the very fabric of our own personal faith in God Almighty is being neutralized as we are being taken over as a society by what looks like people, but are actually demonic-occupied humanoids. That's my own phrase, demonically-occupied humanoids. I just call them humanoids just for the tongue-in-cheek part of it, but you know, um, are they really acting as regular humans? No, they're not. They're taken over. They're taken over. And <laughs> They look like people, talk like people, same you know, same sound of voice, but demonically occupied. The devil got in there somewhere. And they are acting in certain capacities, of, uh, in some cases, if not most cases. Now, I'm not going to get to hacking on, like I said, the president administration or their state and city administration, stuff like this. But if you haven't noticed, some of the things that people are deciding on, they are heartless soulless decision, Um, they are acting like human relics, you know, in other words, a relic of their old self when they used to, maybe when they were a kid and when they were younger, when they were more innocent, they were more human and humane. And they are now running this country on certain levels and this world on certain levels, like major corporations, you know, like big pharma, You know, or all the AMA medical associations and stuff like this. They had a real noble cause to help people at one time. But they're running our rights and our freedoms straight into the ground. Telling you you gotta take this or lose your job. You gotta do this, you gotta buy into this. Fear mongering. Now they're fear-mongering the monkeypox. I mean, can't they come up with something more serious sounding than the monkeypox? Dear Jesus. I mean, we already are calloused to your idiocy that you pulled during 2020 into 2021. We're already callous to that. But monkeypox, please, people. So, what's the truth of the real source behind these self-serving, demonized, gender-confused, push-and-shove minority that are killing, stealing, and destroying the world that we once knew back in the 20th century? What's behind it? Guess who? What can you say Satan? Of course it's Satan. Look at John's Gospel, chapter 8, verses 43, 44, and 45. We're going to read together from the Amplified Translation, John chapter 8, 43, 44, and 45. Here we go. Why do you misunderstand what I'm saying? This is Jesus talking. It is because your your spiritual ears are deaf and you are unable to hear the truth of my word. You are of your father, the devil, and it is your will to practice the desires which are characteristic of your father. He was a murderer from the beginning and does not stand in the truth because there is no truth in him. When he lies, he speaks what is natural to him, for he is a liar and the father of lies and half-truth. You might as well throw deception in there as well. And so, but because I speak the truth, he says in verse 45, you don't believe me. And you continue in your your unbelief. In other words, you haven't trained your ears to listen. First of all, you got to be a follower of Jesus to know the truth when you hear it. Jesus says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus says, you shall know the truth. The truth shall set you free and make you free. Freer incrementally by the day, by by the, the, the voice and the sentences and the words that are being spoken to us. And so we need to understand this. This is a crazy notion. A lot of people don't really buy into it, but I'm really selling this one hard. We are a little bit crazy. <laughs> and I'm saying that with a capital K. A little bit crazy. Because to start off with, there's nothing, there's nothing true about conservative Christianity. Christianity is never conservative, if it's true Christianity. Christianity means to be a part of the group that, follow, that followed Jesus in the first century, down through the centuries, and they were, started, they, were, they were being started to call, in the book of Acts, Christians, which means little Christ, running around. They're just like little Christ, underfoot, everywhere. They're, they're popping up all over the place. And they were mocking the church at the same time fearful and respectful of the church that was turning the world upside down. But here's what I mean by we're crazy. And I was just teasing when I said we're a little bit crazy. If you're a little bit crazy, you're probably a backslidden Christian that doesn't read his Bible and doesn't talk much to God. If you are all the way there crazy, you're a person that speaks in other tongues, you're a person that believes in God with all of your heart, and trust Him with all of your heart, soul, mind, strength, and you talk to Him and walk around talking to Him. Inside of your heart, you have a conversation going on while you're walking from the parking structure into the place where you're shopping or the place where you're going to school or the place where you're working, and you're different. You see, if you are living by the standards of the Bible that tell us that we have been healed by the stripes on Jesus' back, and so you don't frequent the doctors, like, I was raised in that type of mindset. My parents didn't ever take us to doctors. And so when I went went to a doctor one time, before my parents, you know, got a hold of this, and they asked, you know, well, who's your personal family physician? My dad said, nobody. And they looked at us at us in shock. And then I got that over the years, you know, when I was going in for checkups and stuff like this. Well, who's your family doctor? I don't have any. When's the last time you had a checkup? Never. And it's just like things like that just, just freak people. And they think that you're crazy. And if you really believe that you were healed at the cross and the resurrection, and Jesus gave you that. And you're living now in divine health. And you really don't want anything to do with a vaccination or or a push and shove government to try to make you take it and everything because you trust God and He's your physician. And you are walking divine health. And and God is the one who preserves your, preserves your life. You really don't like it. For those reasons, which are good reasons, people are going to go cuckoo, cuckoo, while they're making a circular sign with their index finger around their ear, you know, like, oh, this is another one of those cuckoos, cuckoos. Um, welcome to the club. Do you think Jesus didn't look crazy? Well, he's talking to his Father. He says, I thank you, Father, for you always hear me, but I'm saying it out loud for them here that are with me, standing with me, to know that I came from you, that I'm going back to you, and that you are commissioning me to do this right now. And they're going, huh? What did we get ourselves into, huh? I mean, we're we're too used to some sterilized, numb and dumbed down Christianity that is palpable for the masses to come to find some kind of religious relief in life when the Twin Towers were bombed, or in the very near future when it starts to look like the days of Noah around here where people are going crazy outside of their God-given skulls in the way that they're behaving. And we're getting some of it right now, people. We're living in chaos right now. Matthew 16, if you turn there with me. I'm just going to read verse 23 because I like the translation. The Amplified says it like this, and this is quoting what I, you know, already quoted, but I'm going to read it. It says, but Jesus turned and said to Peter, get behind me, Satan. You are a stumbling block to me for you are not setting your mind on things of God, but on things of man. Now, wait a minute. We, we all have done that. and We all are still doing that to a certain degree. We set our mind on things of man. We set our mind on paying the bills, that's things of man. We set our mind on balancing our checkbook and we see we're in the negative and that kind of bothers us and we're believing God and trusting God for more money to come and we're having a little battle going on inside of our head because we set our minds momentarily on the task at hand on the things of man because we think we're obligated to stay out of the crazy house by keeping ourselves um, kind of in rhythm with the way that everybody else thinks, maybe we're not buying all the way into it. Maybe we're hanging on to some of that good old Christianity, but there's a battle going on for your souls. Battle going on for the human mind and the soul and the heart and the lives of people. Hmm. In John 10:10, 10, 10, the Passion Translation says, "There's a thief." has only one thing in mind. He wants to steal, slaughter, and destroy. But I have come to give you everything in abundance, more than you expect, life in its fullness until you overflow. In the Amplified Translation, it says, the thief comes only in order to steal, and to kill, and destroy. I came that they may have life, and have it in abundance, to the full, till it overflows. You see, what he came, is to give life, and yet, we don't really pay too close attention to what the devil comes. And other translations, like the old King James, would say, the thief does not come except for to kill, steal, and destroy. So if you have any inkling that he might be in the building or in your bonnet, under, under your bonnet, in your head, giving you some crazy thoughts, well, he doesn't get out of bed and put his foot on the floor for anything but to kill, steal, and destroy. So that's what he's there for. And so, how long are we gonna entertain those stupid thoughts of men? Mm. Stupid thoughts of fallen men. We need to know our enemy. We need to understand him. He's more than cunning and than any predator in the animal kingdom. In Genesis chapter three, I want you to turn there with me. We're gonna take it from the start. Like I said, I'm gonna do this in two parts. I'm gonna start to give you a master's class on Satanism and demonology. Understanding the origin and the source of evil in the world can help us understand the origin and source of the influence that are that's in and upon many people in this world right now. That's why they don't make sense when they do something. And we think that that mass killing down in Texas is all the horrors that we have to face from time to time of somebody losing their, they lose their sense of humanity for a moment. They get occupied by a demon for a moment. Yet we have a government that's fighting for the right for women to abort their babies all the way to the ninth month. Has anybody stopped to think about that for a moment? And how many of them have been killed? A whole lot more than 21, a whole lot more than 21, thousands per day are being aborted. Also decisions that are made that cost people their lives by letting people just come rushing through the border and come in and sneak in and bring their drugs and their fentanyl and getting people hooked and, and peddling their drugs and coming from other countries with nefarious purposes in their heart. Not being vetted at all because one administration wants to go this way. The other administration wants to go that way. Well, who's behind the people that are sitting in the chairs in these administrations? Guess who? Satan. Killing, stealing, and destroying. Right now, people are dying. They're being killed. And gun violence is some of it. But also drug overdose is a lot of it. And they're stealing killing, stealing. They're going smash and grab because they can. Because, have you noticed? In some places, the government turned a blind eye. The government had abolished, you know, like bail bonds. The government has reduced it to a misdemeanor instead of a felony. And something's going on with the government. Oh, we can't blame the people that are on the ballots and vote them out because the people that would come in from another party maybe on the other ballots are going, if they don't know about this stuff, if they don't, if they don't have a way of, of handling themselves properly and maintaining the dignity of having a high standard of living themselves and wanting to hold themselves to that and not cave and compromise to the trends and the pushing and shoving of agendas. I mean, because you look at these people pushing and shoving agendas onto the majority of the population in our country, you know, because they have found that all their pushing and shoving and squawking and can- canceling and censoring and all that has gained them a foothold. And they don't even make up a percentage, a, a whole percentage point in the population that are actually living this lifestyle that the Bible calls perverse, but they're shoving it and shoving You don't think the demons are behind that? And so stop, stop accusing the people. Stop looking at the things on TV and arguing and talking to your TV set and hating on the people. They're just puppets. They don't even know they're being used. Anyway, that's why it's easy to forgive people. And we need to be able to forgive people easily. Because Jesus said they don't know what they're doing. They're being used. And they don't know what they're doing. I mean, it's been going on for years. Not just right now. Right now, it's amping up. It's ramping and amping up. Because we're in those days. We're in those days that Jesus was telling us about. And here we come. Genesis chapter 3 in verse 1. Now the serpent, now the serpent is the word Nachash in the Hebrew. Nachash. And it's a real serpent, but it's also used to call somebody, not a snake, but very cunning, very clever. And you have to be, if you don't have arms and legs, and you're on your stomach, and you're trying to find some food. And, you can't go to Burger King because you can't hold any money in your pockets because you don't have pockets and so you got to catch the food with your teeth and you got some big teeth, I admit, and you got to catch the, pe- the the animals running by and so you got to be sneaky. You got to be shady. Mm. So the serpent was more crafty, subtle, skilled in, in deceit, that's, that's the Amplified translation than any living creature of the field, which the Lord God had made. And the serpent said to the woman, Can it really be that God has said, You shall not eat from any tree in the garden? Now, he's baiting it. He knows God never said that. He was around in the spirit realm when God was saying that to Adam. And so, he's testing the woman right here. You shall not eat from any tree in the garden. The woman said to the serpent, We may eat fruit from the trees of the garden, and then she in verse 3 accept the fruit from the tree which is in the middle of the garden. God said you should not eat of it. And here she adds a, a little bit more to it. Eat of it, nor touch it, otherwise you will die. Otherwise, dying you will die. That's the literal Hebrew. It says it twice dying, you will die. And why does it say it like that? Because dying spiritually will result in physical death. You become mortal. Death doomed. So, what we have going on right here, the devil is tempting her. He's letting her talk, and she says things that are inaccurate, and you know the Bible says, in the book of Revelation chapter 22, if anybody adds anything to the volumes of these books, or takes anything away from the volumes of these books, they shall be accursed. In other words, it doesn't work. If you add your own opinion, if you add a couple of lines to the Word of God and then try to make a stand on it, you won't won't be able to make a stand on it. You'll cave in. You'll compromise because it's not going to work. It's not going to be the way that God intended it to be said and stated and stood upon and activated by your faith. And so she is already in a hole. The serpent sees the moment right now and he says in verse 4, but the serpent said to the woman, you certainly will not not die. That's a half-truth, that's a half-truth. He's basically calling your father, because the father of Adam and Eve is God, he's basically calling your father a liar. but." He's telling a half-truth because if you touch it, you're not going to die. God never said that. If you ingest it, if you imbibe of it, if you take it in inside of you, then you'll die. Because the tree, the fruit doesn't matter. It's not some kind of poisonous fruit. The tree stands symbolically for God being in charge of your life. And so it could have been a red pole that God painted bright red. And he had to tell them, you know what color that is? And they go, nope. Nobody told us. That's red. Everything else is other colors, you know, maybe some of the flowers are a little bit red, but that's 100% solid red. I don't want you going around it and oh, and painting over it or trying to build a structure around it where you don't have to see it anymore. I want you to leave that there because I'm giving you everything on the earth that I made and called good and it's all yours. But this right here is to remind you that you are mine, and I'm in charge of all of you. As you grow bigger, and your tribes and your babies are being born, all are are under me, and I'm in charge. And it stands for God having the sovereignty to determine what's right and what's wrong. Why not? God's got the sovereign right of a creator. If you create something, and you know what went into it to make it, Well, then who else can write the manual or should write the manual of how to treat it than you? Because you obviously are the master of that form that you put together. You you got materials, you know, from the earth that God made, but you put it together and you have the right to write the owner's manual and for people to look at it and and treat it a certain way that you prescribe because you know what went into it and you know what'll make it work the best or make it last the longest. And so of course you've got the right for that. But see, that was a big deal because if we cut God out of the picture, like right now in the 21st century, we're cutting God out of the picture when we'd say that I'm no longer a boy, I'm a girl. I'm no longer a girl, I'm a boy. Or we say, It's my choice whether this baby in this womb lives or dies. It's my choice. My body, my choice. Um, I want these pronouns. I want you to call me this. Um, Who died and made you God? You see, God isn't ever gonna die. You'll die a thousand deaths before God even gets close to thinking about what death must be. And yet, the people in the secular world as well as in the church world, Are being pushed around by evil forces that to their detriment is eradicating the equation of God in mankind's thinking and factoring. You see, we used to factor God into everything that was going on in life. It was a standard that we could be held to, but you get rid of that and you can do your thing, baby. Now you're really free. No, you just fell into the shackles of sin that you cannot get rid of, you cannot conquer, and you cannot control. It controls you. The only one that can break that power over you is God, whom you pushed off the throne. And now you're in charge, you think. Uh, What a joke that is. So, moving right along. Verse 5. After... The serpent said in verse 3, you certainly will not die, for God knows, in verse 5, that on the day you eat of it, your eyes will be opened. That is, you will have greater awareness and you'll be like God, knowing the difference between good and evil. We see they already were like God. They were created in God's likeness and God's image, but they weren't aware of it. And so Christians all the time are trying to seek for things that God has already provided us by his promises but we don't wanna exercise our faith and stand on that word that he gives us in the Bible about how he is our provider, our protector, about how he is our strengthener, about how he is everything in every area of human expression that we lack nothing, the Bible says. We lack nothing. But we let ourselves get talked into feeling, quote unquote, like we lack many things. And then we start thinking and put ourselves in charge, well, then I'm going to have to get it my way. That's what I'm going to have to do. I'm going to have to get it. Verse 6. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, and it was delightful to look at, of course, and a tree to be desired, in order to make one wise and insightful, she took some of its fruit and ate it. And she gave, And she also gave some to her husband with her, And he ate. When did he roll up? He was there all along. It never tells you when he rolled up because he was there all along. And so Adam was the one that God gave that command to. Adam is the one that had to pass it down to Eve. It might have been Adam that added a little bit of precaution to it when he said don't touch it even. Adam was negligent right here when... The serpent is speaking audibly, out loud. His wife can hear him, and Adam doesn't interject or intervene. Adam instead sees with his eyes that are open to spiritual matters because he hasn't fallen yet. Adam sees his wife, her, her aura, you call it that, in the, in the, you know, in the uh, New Age world, her aura was snuffed out. Her spiritual essence went dark and Adam didn't eat yet. He's watching her and she gave to him and he ate with his eyes wide open. He ate in rebellion to God. She was duped by the devil. She was deceived. Now, I want you to pay attention to these things because I'm going back this far to get a foundation of who we're working with. The devil is a deceiver. The devil will give you half truths. These are all things I brought out right now already. The devil will talk softly to you. The devil will make it sound like, in your head, your own thought processing, your own thought groups of words in your head, and make it sound reasonable. Oh. Make it sound reasonable to go into an elementary school and start picking off kids that are nine and ten years of age because he's taking control up in the cockpit. He's taking control because he wasn't stopped at the door and he can take control. And so she gave to her husband who was with her and he ate. And it says, the eyes of both of them were opened, and they saw that they were naked. And what's wrong with that? But they all of a sudden became something nasty, something evil. What the evil of it was, not the shapes of their bodies or their genitals. The evil was they disobeyed God. The evil was that they chose. They chose to go a different way than God. That be Because it's so close to the genitals. Because what did they cover up first? The genitals. Hmm. And what are people right now wanting to change? The genitals. Why? Because they're now God. And so Adam and Eve, they put fig leaves over their genitals. Before, there was no mention of their genitals. We know that they had to be male and female, and they had to procreate. God told them to. But you see, the same battle back thousands of years ago is still being waged right now in society, in in the open streets. And the Bible says, in Isaiah 58, truth has fallen in the street. Truth has been cast down, and it has. And God's looking for someone to stand in the gap, and he found no intercessor. So he brought forth his son, born of a virgin. Verse 13, Then the in, in Genesis chapter 3, verse 13, Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you've done? I jumped ahead because I didn't want to go any longer on that. I just want to jump right down here where it's dealing with the serpent again. And the woman said, The serpent beguiled me and deceived me. And I ate from the forbidden tree. The serpent, the Satan, can deceive and beguile you. And the Bible even says in the book of Matthew, chapter 24, there's going to be many liars and they're going to be deceiving many. And he says, In even if possible, the elect. Well, who's the elect? That's you and me. That's the believers. That's the followers. And if possible, what makes that possible? If you are stupid. Yeah, that's a bad word. If you are stupid, like Forrest Gump says, stupid is as stupid does. If you are stupefied and stooped down to the devil, to the enemy, and you don't hold up to the light of your heavenly father's holy manuscript on how to live our life right. You don't hold up to the light of that what you're debating over, what's going on inside of you, but you just choose for yourself to go along with something that sounds, smells, looks wonderful. Welcome to deception. I mean, if nothing else Watching a magic show, magicians are doing wonderful magic shows nowadays. go on YouTube and watch that stuff, and you you wonder if it's supernatural or not. But, I mean, people are going to have an anointing to deceive. And if you're not grounded in the Word of God, guess what? You're going to be deceived. Hello. Are we following people that have already been deceived? Are we listening on the news and watching on our TVs, people that we trust, to tell us the truth, that are deceivers because they're themselves deceived? Yeah, there's no need to even answer that question. I think it's self-answering. And so she blames the serpent. The serpent beguiled me, deceived me, and I ate from the forbidden Tree. Then the Lord God said to the servant, because you've done this, you're a curse more than all the cattle, more than any animal of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. Dust is the only thing on his menu. You know what dust is? Dust is the material that our bodies were made from. Think about that. God took the dust of the earth. He took the dust of the earth in the Garden of Eden, and formed and shaped a man's body, and then spoke into his face the breath of life, and he became a living soul. And then, he's now telling the devil that because of mankind's sin from their heart, that resulted in them eating of the fruit of the tree bodily, from the inside it went to the outside. He says, the only thing that you will fast or you will feast upon would be the fallen nature of mankind now that's the only thing on your diet what is he talking about you see if our bodies are made from the dust he's saying the only thing you're going to eat is the dust and our bodies from Adam and Eve in the garden of eden sin are now corrupted by that sin And they're gonna perpetuate that sin all the way down the family tree because you're only gonna be able to reproduce after your own species and your own kind. And they are now of their father, the devil, because to whom you bow your knee unto, to him you become the servant thereof. And so Adam and Eve bowed their knees to the devil over what God told them to do, they chose him. And he now became their master, which gave him, by the way, a ticket into God's presence that Adam and Eve enjoyed when they walked with him in the cool of the day as God had set them up as the masters of this planet because God didn't create Adam and Eve until he made everything on the planet to serve them and to benefit them and to give them pleasure and nourishment and shade and shelter. And it was a beautiful place, it was paradise. But when it fell, Everything was corrupted. And so, now that Adam and Eve were hiding their flesh because they felt something go on in their body, and it was possibly something that was tangible, that was different for them now, and now God is telling the serpent, that's the only thing that you are going to eat. And crawling on your belly, means that God has put him in a position where he's beneath our feet. But if he gets any higher than that, it's our fault now. Because God put a limit on him. And so anything else where we allow or acquiesce or don't even acknowledge him and he creeps up any higher than that, we gave him that place. Because he wants to control. He wants to kill, steal, and destroy. He wants authority. And there's nobody on this planet that walks with more authority than a human being because God set it up that way. Even in our fallen condition, we are, as human beings go, the masters of this planet. We have the authority. And the devil needs a body to manifest himself in if he's gonna do more damage, killing, stealing, and destroying and oh my gosh, he's got so many volunteers because there's so much ignorance in the world, in the church, that don't even even pay him any attention. They think he's just some spooky creation of Stephen King or something, or M. Night Shyamalan, you know, like some spooky horror story and stuff. No, those people got their inspiration from true stories down through the ages that humans in a fallen condition have done to other people. Hineous things, horrible things. Now that all you got to do, you don't have to go very deep into your imagination. Just create some kind of a monstrosity, which we call a monster out of it. Because the monster psyche has already been created by the fall of their souls. Perversity to where they molest their own children. They offer them up on an altar to Molech, the fire god. And they do all kinds of evil things with animals and stuff like this where God can't turn a blind eye anymore because we're getting close to the end and God's going to wrap this thing up. Verse 15 says, And I will put or allow enmity. He will allow it because God has to because they made their choice. And I will allow enmity, open hostility between you and the woman, between Satan and the woman. You wonder why women have been oppressed so much? You wonder why male... You know, societies, male-heavy societies, you know, have been so mean to women so many years and years and years and thousands of years. You know, women's suffrage was a 20th, a 20th century hurdle that women finally got over, but it still has remnants of it left over. But women's suffrage was forever. They were no, 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 no more respected than breeding stock. And so that's up to the 20th century, not even 100 years ago. And so he says, I will allow enmity, open hostility between you and the woman, between your seed, Satan's seed, offspring or ideology, because that can be a seed too, and her seed. Well, the woman doesn't have a seed, but he's referring, God is referring to the one that's coming, the one that was born to the only woman who never knew a man, and he received a seed without any man involved, and that would be... Mary, the mother of Jesus, between your seed, offspring or ideology, and her seed. He shall fatally bruise your head, Satan, and you shall only bruise his heel. Okay, this is the first place in the Bible that it has anything about Satan. There's nothing about Satan anywhere in here. God didn't mention him any anything in the beginning of these books. There's places in the Bible where two more spots in the Old Testament that mention him before he became Satan. There's only one other spot that calls him Satan in the Old Testament, and that's in Job chapter 1. And in Job chapter 1, it says that Satan came up with other stars of heaven, which are, 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 are a metaphor for angels, into the presence of God and started to accuse Job. Look at your servant Job down there. If you put your hand against him, he'll curse you. In other words, he's betting on Job turning his back on God because he's only serving God because God blesses him. Mm. You see, he's tempting, he's tempting God, trying to tempt God to raise his hand against him. He says, "You raise your hand against him, he'll curse you." And he goes on and on about that, and all God gave him, God had to give him because God is a just God. And God is going to explain to Satan because he brought up an accusation that you're favoring this guy, you're protecting this guy, you're sheltering this guy, you know, and this isn't fair because he's one of the humans that has fallen in the line of Adam and Eve as well. And so, he should have nothing different. And God says to Satan, Behold, he's in your hand. Did God put him there? No! Job admitted in chapter 3 verse 25, The thing, he's lamenting, the thing that I greatly feared and I dreaded has come upon me. He opened up the door and he fell into the hands of the devil. Now this shows you something about the devil. This shows you something. He is an evil genius in so many things, but he is as dense as a doornail when it comes to understanding all the dynamics of what puts us in proximity to where... He can take a shot at us and what doesn't? Because he didn't even realize that Job is already in your hands, dude. And God didn't throw Job under the bus by telling him God was just being just. How are you just twice? God was just being just or showing his justice and informing him something that has already transpired that God didn't make happen, but God saw Job set it into motion and the devil didn't even know that he's in range with Job. He's Job is in his crosshairs already. And then he got attacked. Does God regret that? No, Job actually set this in motion and it's going to play itself out whether God says anything or not. It'd take the devil longer to figure it out, most likely, but God was in a debate with him about whether he treated this guy special, or whether he has treated him like nobody, I mean, like everybody else, you know, nothing different, that he's got to repent, and he's got repent for what? For getting into fear, for getting into dread, you know, for um, uh, abandoning his faith in God taking care of his family and him. Because that's why he was making sacrifices over and over and over and over and over and over again. For his kid, he, said, he says out of his own heart, lest they sin and some calamity come upon them. And so he's scared to death about his kid, you know, having um, sinned and evil coming against them and taking them out. And he put them, he put his kids in the crosshairs because of his fear. Let that be a lesson to some of you. So, the devil. The modus operandi isn't changed. He's come to kill, steal, and destroy. You see, we want to look back at Lucifer's origin. He was called Lucifer, which means light bearer. He brings the light. And he was an an anointed cherub that had a breastplate of a high priest that when God shined his glory on him, he refracted the lights that the earth was bathed in before Genesis chapter one, before God set the sun, the moon, and the stars out there. God and his glory would shine off of this guy named Lucifer, an archangel, light, light bearer, because he would refract and reflect the light of God's glory upon all of creation. But it became a problem because in the process of the trafficking of creation, giving God glory for their existence, and this Lucifer character um, receiving that because he's the intermediary, and it comes back to him, and he's supposed to give it to God, and God gives him the light of his glory to shine it upon creation. In the tangle of all of that trafficking going on, it corrupted his heart. Let's go to... Isaiah 14, 12-21, New King James. And this tells you some of the background of this guy's thinking, this demon, demonic father of all the demon hordes, Satan, or the devil himself. Verse 12, Isaiah 14, New King James, verse 12. How are you fallen from heaven, O Lucifer, son of the morning? How you are cut down to the ground, you who weakened the nations. For you have said in your heart, I will ascend into heaven. I will exalt my throne above the stars of God. I will also sit on the mount of the congregation on the farthest sides of the north, where God's throne is. I will ascend above the heights of the clouds, talking about the glory clouds. I will be like the most high, not better, because you can't get any better. Yet you shall be brought down to Sheol, that's the pit, to the lowest depths of the pit. Those who see you will gaze at you and consider you saying, is this the man who made the earth tremble, who shook kingdoms, he's not just a man, and he calls him that just because the word is not man, it's person, because he has a personality, you can call him a person, not an it. Who made the earth tremble, who shook kingdoms, who made the world as a wilderness and destroyed its cities, who did not open the house of his prisoners, all the kings of the nations, all of them sleeping in glory, everyone in his own house, but you are cast out of your grave like an abominable branch, like a garment, like the garment of those who are slain, Thrust through with a sword, that's the two edged sword of God's word, who go down to the stones of the pit, like a corpse trodden underfoot. But you will not be joined with them in burial, because you have destroyed your land and slain your people. The brood of evildoers shall never be named. Prepare slaughter for his children, because of the iniquity of their fathers, lest they rise up and possess the land and fill the face of the world with cities. And this, this latter half is talking about his seed, his seed. After after he came down to the earth and became Satan. He's talking about the one who came down to corrupt and to pervert the things of the of the earth. And it's talking about the end that we're heading into right now. Go with me over to Ezekiel, please, chapter 28. Once again, New King James. Ezekiel chapter 28. You see, he was cast out of heaven down to the earth, cut off from God's presence, until Adam ate of the tree, bowing his knees to the devil, who now was Adam's superior." And that's how he got his way back up in there. But we're going to read, first of all, these scriptures before I say more about that. Verse 11, "...Moreover, the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Son of man, take up a lamentation for the king of Tyre. That's not a, a natural king, it was a, a spiritual king. And say to him, Thus says the Lord God, You were the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. He's not saying that of a human being. He's saying that of the way God created Lucifer. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering. The sardis, topaz, diamond, beryl, onyx, jasper, sapphire, turquoise, and emerald with gold. The workmanship of your timbrels and pipes was prepared for you on the day you were created. Number one, Satan is a created being. Now, thing you need to understand about him, even in his fallen condition, even when he was Lucifer, he was still a created being, but he went off the rails. And if you're created, somewhere along the line, the material you're created with can be used to disassemble you, to destroy you. Because if God created you, God speaking through a person to you can stop you, can command you, can control you, can bind you, can crush you beneath their feet. And so he's mentioning these stones, and it's sardis, topaz, and diamond, beryl, onyx, and jasper, sapphire, turquoise, and emerald, and a gold setting, that's nine, that represents The nine manifestations of the Holy Spirit. It represents also the outer workings of the timbrels and the pipes. What he's talking about right there is that he was a one-man or one-person orchestra. He would take the praises of creation unto God and he would sing them into the heavens. You don't think for a split second that Satan doesn't still remember how to produce music from the inside of himself because he was built that way. Just because he changed jobs and became a destroyer instead of a servant of the Most High God doesn't mean that he doesn't have that capacity anymore. Why do you think that rock and roll took a whole generation off of the rails? And I'm not not damning you know, music, There's, God used music in my life, secular music even, to speak to me lots of times. But he's also used it subliminally as well as straight up, you know, verbally, to take people's souls straight into hell. To turn people from righteous living to ungodliness. And so, I would imagine he had the capacity To be the most hauntingly beautiful sounding voice you've ever heard coming out of the mouth of this created being that has a breastplate of a of a high priest that is in between god's creation and himself and god verse 14 you are the anointed cherub who covers i establish you you were on the holy mountain of God. You walk back and forth in the midst of the fiery stones. You were perfect in your ways from the day you were created till iniquity is found. You see, God never said that about anybody being made perfect. No human being has ever been created perfect. Because Adam took a side trip, didn't he? He must have had some kind of a glitch somewhere. Adam wasn't paying attention when his wife was, was fiddling around with that apple tree or whatever it kind of was. and says... You were perfect in your ways from the day you were created till iniquity was found in you. By the abundance of your trading, you became filled with violence or conflict within, and you sinned. Therefore, I cast you as a profane thing out of the mountain of God, and I destroyed you, O covering cherub, from the midst of the fiery stones. Your heart was lifted up in pride because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. I cast you to the ground. I laid you before kings that they may gaze at you. You defiled your sanctuaries by the multitude of your iniquities, by the iniquity of your trading. In other words, you talk about that back and forth, that back and forth between the glory of God being reflected to creation and creation, you know, giving their praise to God that Lucifer would take and embezzle some. Because he's handling it. It's supposed to pass right through his hands up to God. And and really not through his hands, through his pipes and his timbrels. That he'd be singing to God the praises that was coming up. But some of it he started singing to himself. Some of it he started assessing himself. You know, that he's got this going on for him. He's got that going on. That's why he said about his his lifted up with pride. Your heart was lifted up with pride, verse 17 says, because of your beauty. You corrupted your wisdom for the sake of your splendor. I cast you to the ground and laid you before kings and they gazed at you, that they may gaze at you." So what can we say about Satan? He's proud. He's full of himself. He's proud. It's all about him. He's self-absorbed. He is the author of lying, like we saw that earlier in John 8. And so anything that's a shade off the truth is giving place to him. Any little bit of pride that you get lifted up with um, that's giving place to him. Why do you think it says in Peter, First Peter chapter 5 in verse 6, 7, and 8? It says, Humble yourselves in the mighty hand of God that he may exalt you in due time, casting all of your care upon him for he cares for you. Be sober, be vigilant because you're Enemy, the devil is roaming about his roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour." And right before that, he said, "'Humble yourselves,' because they were lifted up in pride." And he says, "'Casting all your cares,' because when you're lifted up in pride, you don't include God in your equation. You're grinding over and worrying about much ado about everything. You know, you're concerned about it and everything. And he says, "'Cast all your cares on him.'" He says, He says, God gives more grace to the humble. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you above your situation in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you lovingly and watchfully. And then it mentions the devil. Why do you think those things are all three mentioned in a row, right there in 1 Peter 5? Mentions pride, mentions humility, mentions casting off all the cares and anxieties. And then it mentions the devil who's roaming about, licking his chops. It all works together, honey. Peter was anointed to put that into the script, that it helps us understand the profile of who we're dealing with right here. And he says, and I turned you into ashes upon the earth in the sight of all who saw you. This is also projecting in the future. It hasn't happened yet, but it's going to happen just like the other one in Isaiah 14. Verse 19 right here in Ezekiel 28. All who knew you among the peoples are astonished at you. You become a horror, and shall be no more forever. That's talking about the final, final, final nail in his coffin. You see, the bonus... For Satan, was Adam gave up his position of responsibility over the earth that fell into his hands when Adam and Eve sinned in the garden. That gave him access to God, and he went back and forth for thousands of years, for thousands of years, for thousands of years. Because from Adam getting kicked out of the garden to Jesus coming is about 4,000 and some change years. And so he had the run of the show for 4,000 going back and forth between heaven and earth, accusing people left and right. And nobody was getting any fresh revelation about how to stop him because nobody could stop him until Jesus came back from the dead. But before that, Jesus was giving them preview of coming attractions because the way that he walked on the earth, he stopped him right there momentarily while he was there, while he was there. When he left, of course they came back and they surrounded the people in darkness once again and shrouded over them. But at times when Jesus walked into a situation where there's demonized people, in other words, in the Bible, the story of the demoniac of Gadara, he lived among the tombs of the Gadarenes, And when Jesus approached him, the demons cried out. He had legion. Jesus said, what's your name, legion, for we are many. And he cried out, have you come to torment us before the time? Because they know the time. That there's a certain time that they're dreading the showdown with God. And here Jesus comes and he's casting them out and you don't think that that word was spreading in the spirit world, that he was coming and he's knocking them out of people. And so when he was cast out of heaven, just to give you some background on where demons came from, mostly, he took a third of the angels down with him. And so they were corrupted because they were under his authority. And if he goes south, they go south. Just like Adam and Eve, they had kids in the Garden of Eden. If you don't think so, you take a look at chapter 4, and they have their first Two kids, they were twins, Cain and Abel. That's the first two offspring outside the Garden of Eden. And when Cain was adult and he grew up and he killed his brother Abel, he was banished to a land called Nod where there was people there that he was afraid might kill him. Where'd they come from? The Garden. Well, how did they not get mentioned in the genealogy of Adam and Eve? Because God wasn't keeping genealogy in the Garden of Eden. God wasn't ever going to count the heads in the Garden of Eden. And in the Garden of Eden, the only two people that were in control of the environment there were the two originals. That's why, you know, OG is OG. You know, if you're an OG in certain areas, you are the one that the buck stops where you are. The buck stops there. And so, Revelation chapter 12 Verses 4 and 5. The Passion Translation. Revelation chapter 12, verses 4 and 5. The dragon's massive tail swept across the sky and dragged away a third of the stars of heaven and cast them to the earth. It's talking about in metaphor, in in word pictures, he took down a third of the angels. And the dragon crouched before the woman who was about to give birth, poised to devour the baby the moment it was born. Well, that's that's a, a... a law of a double prophecy there that's talking about the woman Israel is, is referred to as a woman but also Mary and so more specifically this is Mary getting ready to give birth to the Christ child so you get in the timeline right here and she gave birth to a man child who's about to rule and shepherd every nation with an iron scepter and her son was caught up to God and to his throne that goes you know at the end of the life end of Jesus's life he was caught up to God. And she gave birth to a man-child." So you see how they encapsulate a lot of period of time in just that one, that one sentence. It's not two sentences, it's one verse and one sentence. She gave birth to a man-child who's about to rule and shepherd every nation with an iron scepter, comma, and her son was caught up to God and to his throne. And so, it did a real quick thumbnail sketch of Jesus coming and then going back up into heaven. Verse 7, "...then a terrible war broke out in heaven, and that's the truth. When Jesus was raised from the dead, a terrible war broke out in heaven, because who's up there? The devil still. Remember when Jesus was confronted outside the tomb by Mary, and she realized she was talking to Jesus, and he had just resurrected from the dead, and she wanted to hug him, and he said, don't touch me. You ever see that in the Bible? She said, don't touch me, for I have not yet ascended into heaven to my Father and your Father, to my God, your God. What's that got to do? with anything. Well, the Bible says in the book of Hebrews, Jesus went into the heavens in His resurrection. He went into heaven before He started mingling with people and going, you know, to sit down with the disciples and have a meal. You know, he spent 40 days on the earth, he came back, but he had to first come up out of the grave, and the first place he had to stop was in heaven, where he took his precious blood and he sprinkled it on the altar and the utensils in the heavenly temple that was defiled by the fact that the devil had access to heaven on Adam's ticket for almost 4,000 years plus. And Jesus cleaned house And remember when he said to his disciples, I saw Satan fall from heaven like a lightning bolt. He was prophesying in his imagination what it's going to look like when he gets up into heaven after the resurrection and cast that dog out. And he threw him down and out of heaven. And so you see, Satan is a usurper. He's going to try to get above. He's going to try to get authority over. He's going to try to get in places and seats to to influence people, influence you or use you to influence other people in a wrong way like Peter, in a wrong way. And Peter wasn't a bad man. He just all of a sudden spoke out of his flesh, which was just natural, which was just um, of the first Adam, not the last Adam. The last Adam was a redeemer. The first Adam cost the human race. You know, he was a living soul, but his sin cost the human race, the relationship with God for 4,000 years. Even Moses and David and and Isaiah, the prophet, and all those people in the Old Testament had a similitude of relation with God, but nothing up close and personal, nothing. And that's why there was no revelation of the devil because they didn't have God indwelling them. They didn't have God working through them and in them to handle him, to handle Satan. So, we need to understand what this says about us in handling ourselves in the middle of crisis and chaos going on, and people on TV that may be lying to us that it, if it goes off in our spirit, man, and we feel like a a check in our spirit, or uh, I can't put my finger on it, kind of a feeling you know, like something's off, something's off. Pay attention to those signals. Pay attention to your spirit, man, because that's where God is. That's the Holy of Holies now. And so we gotta cultivate our sensitivity to that because it's gonna keep us from being deceived. Because if possible, even the elect will be deceived, the master said. And so I'm almost done here for this first session. And verse seven again says, Then a terrible war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought against the great dragon. The dragon and his angels fought back, but the dragon did not have the power to win, and they could not regain their their place in heaven. So the great the dragon, the great dragon, that's the devil. So the great dragon was thrown down once and for all, once and for all. This is it, the final time. He was the serpent, referring to back in in the Garden of Eden, the ancient snake called the devil and Satan who deceives the whole earth. He was cast down to the earth and his angels along with him. When? When Jesus was raised from the dead and he cleaned house with his blood. Verse 10, Then I heard a triumphant voice in heaven proclaiming, Now salvation and power are set in place, and the kingdom reign of our God, and the ruling authority of his anointed one are established. For the accuser of our brothers and sisters, who relentlessly accused them day and night before our God has now been defeated and cast once and cast out once and for all. Verse twelve. Just jump to verse twelve, please. They conquered him completely through the blood of the Lamb and the powerful word of his testimony. They triumphed because they they did not love and cling to their own lives, even when faced with death. Verse 12, so rejoice, you heavens, and every heavenly being, but woe to the earth. Watch out, here we go, watch out now. But woe to the earth and the sea, for the devil has come down to you with great fury, because he knows his time is short. He's been down here wreaking havoc ever since Jesus cast him out of heaven. But at the same time, Jesus established the church in the power of the Holy Ghost. And the church has been given the authority of the name of Jesus and the position of sons and daughters of God, seated in the heavenly places right now with him, to rule and to reign down here with our feet planted on the earth. If we just simply raise up the banner of God's standard, which is His words that He has given to us in the form of our Bibles of how to order things according to His perfect will. Because it's not His perfect will that people die early. It's not His perfect will that babies are killed in wombs. It's not His perfect will that people that are in power take advantage of the weak. It's not His perfect will that people get away with preying upon one another they're committing genocide in different places, or they're practicing racial discrimination and stuff like that, that's not his perfect will. That's messed up. I mean, we could do something, you know, marching with Martin Luther King style, you know, that that could do something, protesting by not using your money and not paying for things to get people's attention, but that doesn't obliterate anything. Bringing the kingdom into the world right now, and not something that we just do on Sunday, but we live within the parameters of God's kingdom. It starts inside of a human heart, and then it gets to the outside and how we conduct our business in, in and amongst the world so that that gets transmitted to them in style, in, in ideology, in visuals that we provide for them and the way that we behave differently than them because we got some inside dope that they don't have. We know that our battle, our fight is not against flesh and blood. As it says in Ephesians 6, 10, Finally, brethren, be strong in the Lord and the power of his might. Put on the whole armor of God. For our battle is not against flesh and blood, but against powers, principalities, rulers of darkness, wicked spirits in heavenly places. And so he said, put on the full armor of God. Because even though we're on this side of of the crucifixion and the resurrection, and the devil is eternally defeated, he's an outlaw, people. He's an outlaw. Just because we've got cops patrolling the highway doesn't mean people can't speed anymore. Of course they're going to speed. Or can't cause accidents anymore. Of course they're going to do that. Or can't be shooting at each other in their cars. Of course that's going to happen. Even though that's illegal. Because somebody has got to enforce what's legal. And that would be us. We've got to enforce God's laws. And you know how God's laws are summarized in one simple powerful, unique, transcendent word called love by us cutting through the hatred, cutting through the darkness, bringing the light, bringing the love, arresting flat-footed, dead-in-their-tracks people from doing harm to each other and even trying to do towards us. Because of the supernatural presence of God that we carry with us, not in a box, not in the pages of your Bible, but across the full spectrum of your heartbeat, that we carry that. And we open our mouth and God will fill it. We only want to say what God gives us to say in that that situation, that moment. We've got to start practicing getting used to getting out of our own way, but mostly getting out of God's way and I'm almost finished. I know I've gone super long this time because this is the foundation I got to set. Thank you for being more patient than ever. I hope that I've made this a little bit entertaining as well as informative. You see, the demons they knew they knew Jesus had come early when he started messing with them. When he started casting them out, when he started binding them when he cast them into the pigs with one word, go. And they destroyed the pigs and they had no place else to go after that. And so they're looking and searching for another inhabitation. And so the devil and his demons know what time we're living in right now in 2022. They know that it's later now than it was when we first believed and became believers. And it's later now than it was just one minute ago. Welcome to 2022, because here we go. We're in for the times of our lives. We are getting to write, I believe, not with human hands necessarily. Um, There may be something that happens after we come back to the new heaven and the new earth, or when even the devil, the false prophet, the antichrist, and all the evil Demons and fallen angels are cast into hell for a thousand years, and we who are saved are caught up in the sky with our Lord and Savior, given completely transformed bodies that happen in the twinkling of an eye, that are indestructible, that are eternal bodies, that maybe then God will inspire us to record, like the recordings of things that happen on the earth from the very first creation of man in the garden all the way to the book of Revelation and the culmination and the wrap up of all these things pertaining to humanity on this earth. And after that, mankind will still be alive in in a human looking body, but it will be like Jesus' body after the resurrection. That is no longer carbon based, but 100% supernaturally spirit based, wall to wall, susceptible to nothing evil, indestructible and eternal. And that's what we're all looking forward to. But wouldn't it be something if what we're doing right now is going to be recorded in the annals of human history? Because this is still human history, even after our bodies are glorified and the devils cast in the pit for a thousand years because he's going to be released again and we're going to have some things to do again. And so, just think of it, right now is not a time to just be going through the motions or just hanging on barely or just trying to get from day to day. We need to seize this time, carpe diem, we need to seize this moment. We need to own it, we need to make it ours. And I believe we've got in the inside of every one of us all that we need to do that in the name of Jesus. Thank you guys for tuning in. I'll see you next time. Um, Tell some people about the broadcast so they can tune in next time and maybe they can even look at the, or or listen to the um, recordings of this one and others. So, love you all. Catch you later.